And it is exciting to be officially in this time of the year. Doesn't the campus look awesome with all the Christmas decorations? Come on, let's go. I love it. Hey, a lot of y'all stayed after last Sunday to help make that happen, so thank you. If uh, you're just jumping in today for the first time, welcome, we're honored you're here, whether you're on our campus or joining us online. You couldn't pick a better day to be here because we're kicking off a brand new series called Sounds of Christmas. Super excited to share the message with you today, but I wanted to hit a couple of things up top just to make sure we're kind of all on the same page. Abby just mentioned next Sunday, our celebration Sunday, lots of fun things happening that she described. I also wanted to throw in that our production team has been working on kind of an end of the year celebration video for everything that, well, not everything, a lot of the highlights that have happened in the life of our church uh, this year. And as y'all know, anytime our production team does something, they do it right. So you don't wanna miss that. It's gonna be awesome to get to see that in the services as well as everything else that's gonna be happening all over our campus. So make sure you're here next Sunday. And then we gotta talk about Christmas Eve because that's only a few weeks away. And this year, Christmas Eve, the day is on a Sunday. So let's make sure we're all on the same page, all right? We're gonna do three services. We're gonna do one on December 23rd at six o'clock p.m. And then that Sunday, December 24th, we're doing two o'clock and four o'clock. So we're not doing nine and 11, not if that makes sense. All right, look, if you show up here in the morning, you're by yourself. So I wanna make sure we all know, okay? So this is the same service, all right? Pick the one that works best with your schedule. Invite your family, invite your friends. If you've got a baby or you've got up through preschool, um, we will have those ministry environments open just like a typical Sunday. Elementary kids, we're gonna ask you to bring them in here with you because they're gonna get to participate in the Christmas Eve service. And if you have babies, you wanna bring them and preschoolers, you can do that too. We're just making that available for you if you wanna check them in at the Christmas Eve service you attend. And then December 3rd, 31st, the following Sunday, we're gonna have an online only worship experience that day. And that's really a thank you from us to all of the volunteers. In fact, hundreds of volunteers that make our Sundays happen, which is a good reminder. Can we thank all the volunteers that make this happen every single week? From guest services to kids' ministry to children's ministry to production to worship. And it's just a way for us to say, hey, enjoy the day, but then let's all participate online together as a church family. And we'll be sharing a little bit more about what that experience will look like here in the next few weeks. And then finally, last Sunday, maybe you were traveling, you might have missed it. Uh, we kicked off our Right Now special Christmas offering. And this is just an opportunity for us as a church family to give sacrificially to five ministry initiatives in 2024. So you can see we're going to give to uh, help build a new kitchen and classroom at Jehovah Nisi and Las Lomas Dominican Republic. That's our uh, sister church. And uh, they've been in this project for a while and we're going to come alongside them and help make that happen. We have an indoor playground space here on our campus that we're going to renovate into a new next generation ministry environment, either for preschoolers, kids, middle schoolers, high schoolers. We're kind of looking at all of the options there. So that's going to be exciting to open up that new environment 2024. Um, We are also looking to continue to upgrade some of the technology in this room as well as online so that 
we can continue to steward well the worship ministry and how God is blessing that here at New Hope Church. We've got a lot of ministry partners here in the triangle that we wanna continue to partner with and financially support as well as uh, be on the ground to serve alongside them. And then finally, as I said last week, I think 2024 is gonna be a year where a lot of people recognize their need for Jesus and we wanna be the church that points them directly to him. So we're gonna reach, teach, and release in greater ways in this new year. If you missed last week's message, I would encourage you to go back and watch it. It's on our website or it's on our YouTube channel. I take about 15 to 20 minutes to really unpack those initiatives with a little bit more vision so you can kind of see why we are doing these. So here's how this works. The goal is $500,000 and we have between now and January 31st to give. So as I said last week, let me challenge you to begin to pray. It's not about equal giving, it's about equal sacrifice. So all of us can give something. So you give what the Lord lays on your heart, either through an offering envelope here on our campus or on our website, and then we'll keep you posted along the way um, as we celebrate what God's gonna do through this special Christmas offering. Before today, kicking off a new series, it's called Sounds of Christmas. Let me tell you how this is gonna work. Each Sunday, we're gonna take a song that we sing at Christmas, and we're gonna find the theme of the song, and then we're gonna see what God's word has to say about that particular theme. And the song for today that we have already sung is Joy to the World. And what a great song it is, and we get to celebrate and sing that song every Christmas. I mean, John, we might wanna be rebels one year and just sing it in May. I mean, why not, right? Because it's just such a good song. I mean, why not? You can sing it year round, okay? What you might not know about this song is that it was originally penned not celebrating the birth of Jesus, but celebrating his anticipated return the second coming of Christ. It was written in 1719 by Isaac Watts. And when he wrote it, that was what he had in mind. And if you read through the lyrics of the song, you can see a little bit of that. But over time, as people sang it at Christmas, we also began to recognize, wait a second, these lyrics align perfectly, not just with the anticipated return, but with celebrating Jesus's first coming to earth at Christmas. And so it is appropriate to sing joy to the world at Christmas because at its foundation, the Christmas story is one that focuses on joy. So let me read a verse. We heard it earlier in our Advent reading, and it's a verse that we're very familiar with. And so sometimes, maybe we just miss this. Luke 2, 10, Luke chapter 2, verses 10 and 11. But the angel said to them, do not be afraid. I bring you, and here it is, good news of great joy. It will be for all the people. Today in the town of David, a Savior has been born to you. He is Christ the Lord. Foundationally, Christmas is good news that brings great joy. And we're gonna talk about joy today. And so if you have uh, maybe something you wanna jot down some notes, maybe like taking notes on your phone, I wanna encourage you to do that because um, I don't know the last time you heard an entire sermon on joy, but here's what's interesting. Joy is really important to God. In fact, joy is more important to God than it is to you and me. Here's why I know that. Because joy to me kind of feels like an add-on. I mean, if I'm going through life, I don't always think my top priority is joy. I think about all the stuff I've gotta get done. I think about all the responsibilities. I think about all of the commitments. And if it's sprinkled with some joy, that's good, but, but it doesn't necessarily feel like it has to be a part of everything. In fact, sometimes joy to me feels a little more like a preference. Like I prefer to have joy. I would rather have joy than not have joy. But see, here's the problem with that. What I see as a preference, God sees as a priority. 
And over and over in his word, he goes out of his way to help us see this. So here's the thing, church, our joy matters. It matters to God. In fact, according to God's word, joy is foundational to what it means to actually be a Christ follower. And so I'm gonna give you some challenging statements today that God has been challenging me with when it comes to joy, all right? So we're gonna look at these four principles. We're gonna unpack a few verses and maybe by the end of our time together, all be challenged with our joy. So here's the first principle I wanna share with you about joy. It's actually a commandment from God, not a suggestion, not a recommendation, not as long as you can work it into your schedule or fit it into your circumstance and or life. It's a commandment. It's a commandment that God actually holds us to. You like the 10 commandments? Well, it's not one of the 10 commandments, okay? But it is actually woven throughout God's law in the Old Testament. And then there are specific passages in the New Testament that draw our attention to its importance. Let me give you one of them. 1 Thessalonians 5, 16 through 18. Be joyful always. We can all go home. That's enough, right? That's all you needed to hear. That's what it says, all right? It's commanding you to be joyful always. Now, don't leave. We're not done, all right? Pray continually. Give thanks in all circumstances, for this is God's will for you in Christ Jesus. I get asked a lot, how do I know God's will for my life? Good question, a little bit of a process. Here's a good place to start. Be joyful always. Pray continually. Give thanks in all circumstances. Maybe you had this modeled well. Maybe you grew up in a home where you had parents who modeled well what it looked like to have joy, to give thanks, to, to pray, to focus on the good. Maybe you grew up in the exact opposite situation. You know, I mean, I never saw that modeled. It's a reminder, it's one of the reasons God gave us the church. What your family of origin may not have provided for you, God's family, the church, can. So it's a really good thing for us to remember. I was one of the fortunate people who had parents who modeled that, all right? So my parents had the type of home where joy and um, gratitude and, and thankfulness, like that was just how it was gonna be, whether we liked it or not, okay? So our parents, like they, they just didn't let us complain. They didn't let us whine. And it really bothered me, okay? Because I had some legit things to complain about and, and they just wouldn't let me. They always like, no, we're just not gonna do that, not in this house in the name of Jesus. And I'm like, here goes mom, all right, here we go, right? Not gonna let me complain, not gonna let me murmur. And, and, it, and it kind of bothered me growing up, but, but now that I'm raising kids, I mean, I see the value in it, right? I mean, we try to get our kids to focus on the good as well, but, but, but it can be challenging. So you're like, how, how, am I do, how do I do that? Like, how do I recognize joy as a commandment, give thanks continually? Here, here's my challenge, look for opportunities. Just look for opportunities. Anything that happens, is there something that you can give thanks for? Is there an opportunity to pray? Is there an opportunity to express joy? Let me give you an example of how my parents did this when I was growing up. I was probably about 10 years old when this happened. Um, we were at Whitewater, a, a water park in Marietta, Georgia, right outside Atlanta. I'm just super curious. Has anybody else been to Whitewater in their life? All right, all three of us, awesome, that's good, right? <laughs> I mean, honestly, you know, sharing that many pools with that many people, it's kind of weird. So I get it, all right? Let's get on a slide. What, what's the worst thing that could happen? So we, we're at Whitewater, and we've spent a day doing all the slides and everything, and uh, we leave the park, and we're walking out to our vehicle, and our family vehicle, when I was in the fourth, fifth grade when this happened, was a blue Astro minivan. Yeah. 
Anybody else have a blue Astro minivan, late 80s, early 90s? I love that van. I love that van. I thought it was awesome, all right? All my buddies, they're crammed in station wagons. We were rolling high. We had an Astro minivan, right? Let's go. So we get out to our Astro minivan, and y'all, I'm telling you right now, somebody had egged our Astro minivan. <laughs> Who eggs an Astro minivan? Then they had taken watermelon rinds and rubbed them all over the windshield. Just, just did all that. Now, I had passed a group of rowdy teenagers on my way out to the van, and I was pretty sure that's who had did it, right? In fact, I was kind of eyeing them. And I was like, nobody does that to our Astro minivan. And y'all, I was ready to throw down <laughs> right there. Now, it didn't matter I had on a wet swimsuit that I'd bought in the Husky section, but I was ready to throw down, all right? Not real intimidating, not intimidating now either, but, but it was bothering me. And I'm like, what are we gonna do? I mean, we gotta do something here. And my parents were like, we're gonna do something, we promise. And I'm like, what are we gonna do? And here is what they did. To this day, I can't believe they did this. This is what my parents did, my brother, my sister, and me. We gathered up and we held hands in a circle. <laughs> in the Whitewater parking lot, swimsuits are dripping. And here's what we did. We prayed for the people who egged our Astro minivan. I still get a little mad every time I tell that story. God has not fully redeemed me from that yet. I still struggle with the flesh. I'm like, what? Pray for your enemies. And my parents would say things like, it's just a van. Clearly the people who did this need Jesus. What are you so worked up about? I'm like, be quiet. So I just, you know. <laughs> but I'm grateful now. I'm grateful now that, that somehow along the way, that example and many more, they were trying to lay a foundation. Hey, when something happens, is there an opportunity to pray? Is there an opportunity to express gratitude? Is there an opportunity to focus on joy? And if you'll just look for opportunities, if we'll just look for opportunities, we can actually begin to obey something that really matters to the heart of God. Why? Because it's a commandment. Let me give you the second principle about joy. It's actually a characteristic of spiritual maturity and our surrender to God. See, someone shouldn't have to tell you they're surrendered to God. You should be able to notice. I remember when I met my wife, Morgan, she didn't have to tell me she was a Christ follower. It was obvious for all to see. See, if you're surrendered to God with your life at a heart level, joy will be the byproduct. If you're spiritually mature, that will be noticed by joy. And sometimes we get this wrong. For whatever reason, a lot of us, and this just kind of happens. This is kinda, nobody said, hey, do this. This just kind of happens. We begin to associate spiritual maturity with Bible knowledge. So the more Bible you know, the more spiritually mature you must be. I don't know about y'all, but... Some of the people that I've met over the years that know the most about the Bible are some of the meanest people I've met over the years. They were in y'all's church business meetings too, I can see, right? Okay. So the idea there is maybe a little bit of Bible knowledge, which isn't bad. What's bad is it got stuck here and it never made its way to here. See, God did not give us the Bible just so we could learn a lot of things about him. He uses his word to bring about heart transformation in our lives. And if you see how God's word describes joy and the people it associates joy with, this starts to become clear. Psalm 68, three. 
May the righteous be glad and rejoice before God. May they be happy and joyful. Righteousness, yes, obedience to God matters, but righteousness is observed through our joy. I want you to stop and think about something for a second. I just mentioned spiritual maturity. Is there someone in your life that really helped in your spiritual growth? Maybe you met them here at church. Maybe it's somebody from the past. They could have been a life group leader or as a kid, maybe a Sunday school teacher or maybe a pastor or a preacher. Is there somebody you knew and they really helped contrib- contribute to your spiritual growth? Okay, just who is that? Do, do they come to mind, okay? The second thing I want you to think about that person is were they joyful? Were they joyful? And the third thing I want you to think about is, is that now why you remember them? And as I've asked that question over the years, here's what I've found. About 95% of the time, that's the case. It's like, yeah, okay, I know the person. They did have joy, and that's kind of what stuck with me. I don't necessarily remember everything they told me, every lesson they unpacked, every discussion we participated in, but something about their joy left its mark on me. I think about some men in my life who've done that. I've mentioned this man before, Dr. Elmer Towns. Um, I'm gonna get him here to preach at some point. Y'all love him. He's in his 90s. He's got more energy than me. He's awesome, okay? And I worked for him about 20 years ago. And when I started working for him, I was kind of intimidated because his nickname is Mr. Bible. (laughs) Who has that nickname, right? Well, if you write books about every book of the Bible, that's how you get that nickname, okay? So I was a little intimidated getting a job as a graduate assistant for Mr. Bible. But then as I started spending time with him, here's what I recognized, great joy, great humility, great care, wanting to know about what was going on in my life instead of telling me what was going on in his life. And and as I've reflected over the years, what has stuck with me from that relationship is the great joy that he has walked through his life with, okay? I think about my youth pastor growing up, Mike Lynch. He pastors now North Star Church right outside Atlanta, Georgia. That was the first church I ever worked at. So he was my youth pastor and then I worked for him for years. And I think somebody that I've known in my life for over 30 years who has shaped me more, more, the only people who've shaped me more than him are my parents. Why is that? And as I've asked myself that question, here's the answer, great joy. His spiritual maturity comes from a foundation of joy. And he's gone through some challenging circumstances. Dr. Towns has gone through some challenging circumstances. Who are the people in your life who have great joy? And then here's a check. If you've got somebody in your life that you think is spiritually mature, and up until this moment, you were letting them shape your life, but they don't have great joy, you need to stop. Now, keep talking to them. Don't be rude, but perhaps don't let them shape you. Be careful who you let shape you. Be careful who you go find on social media, read their articles, read their books. See if there's joy in their life. It's a marker of spiritual maturity. Let me give you the third principle about joy. It's a fruit of the Spirit. It's one of the fruits of the Spirit, and this particular fruit of the Spirit points others towards God. Now, fruit of the Spirit, if you knew the Bible, Galatians 5 gives us fruit of the Spirit. Love, joy, Peace, patience, kindness, goodness, gentleness, faithfulness, self-control. That's actually our behavioral checklist in God's word. That if you're walking with the spirit, if you're a Christ follower, these are the words somebody should use to describe your life. And this is helpful because those of us who are Christ followers, we believe things that aren't very popular. Sometimes someone will ask me, how am I supposed to be a Christian and stand up for what I believe without upsetting or offending people who don't see God the same way I do or see Jesus the same way I do? And that's a really good question. 
because all of us have people in our lives, whether it's family members, friends, classmates, neighbors, and we want to talk with them about Jesus, but we don't want to necessarily offend or upset them. So we're not exactly sure what to do. We don't want to back down from our beliefs, and we shouldn't. In fact, the most loving thing that we can tell people, if we really believe that when people die, they go to hell if they don't know Jesus, that's actually the most loving thing we could tell them but it's how we tell them that matters. And if you wanna have opportunities to share your faith, here's the key, fruit of the Spirit. Because you know what is very attractive to people who even don't care anything about God, the Bible, church, or Jesus? Love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, gentleness, faithfulness, self-control. And here's what will happen when your life is marked by joy, people will ask you why. What is it that's different about you? That may say something like, what's wrong with you, okay? That's spiritual for tell me about Jesus, just so you know, okay? Somebody says, what's wrong with you? Let me translate. They're asking for you to tell them about Jesus. Joy is one of the greatest ways that we can actually share our faith. Romans 15, 13, I love how it, it helps us see this. May the God of hope fill you with all joy and peace as you trust in him. And then there's a so that. So there's a reason for this feeling of joy, so that you may overflow with hope by the power of the Holy Spirit. So God's gonna fill us with joy and with hope so there's an overflow, so people notice, so they recognize and they begin to ask. And listen, if it's been a minute since somebody's asked you what's different about your life, I'm not here to judge you or beat you up, but I am saying, hey, let's just kind of do a little soul check there. There should be something observably different about our lives. And sometimes we just need to be reminded of that. I mean, every time I've ever gone overseas in any type of mission initiative, partnering with a church, partnering with a ministry partner, nine times out of 10, I'm, I'm with people who by the world's standards have less than me, but by God's standards have more joy than me. Interesting. So as someone who's a pastor, I would tell you, oh, no, 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 I do not let the world shape me at all. Mm -mm. I ground myself in God's word, church. I wake up daily, I pray, and I walk by faith, not by sight. Then why is it that when I'm around people who have less than me, they have more joy than me? Hmm. Maybe I am being shaped a little bit more by the world than I recognize. And sometimes what it takes is actually being in that type of environment, place with people to recognize that. So we have our partner church. I just mentioned them earlier, special Christmas offering. And, and Pastor Ezekiel and Victor and, and, and the team there, and they're remarkable. And we go down there several times a year and we send teams down there. And um, all of the teams come back and they say, everybody there has such great joy. And so I just asked our production team, I'm like, I know we've taken some videos down there. Let's just, let's just put some videos up on the screen on Sunday. So here's what we're gonna do. We're just putting some videos up here behind me while I'm talking. I want you to notice all the joy. I just want you to notice the joy. I just want you to see the smiles. I want you to see people who by the world's standards have less than you, but by God's standards, I'm throwing myself in this, probably have more joy than all of us. What's happening there? Perhaps there's a greater level of spiritual maturity. Perhaps there's a greater level of awareness of walking in the spirit and walking by the spirit and desiring the fruit of the spirit to be evident. See, when we go down to the DR, we're, we're not primarily going so that we can show up and so that we can help and make all of these things happen that wouldn't happen without us. That's not the right heart and that's not why we go. We go because we're partnering with our brothers and sisters in Christ. And guess what we've found? They have a lot to teach us. 
about what it looks like to walk with Jesus. So let me just be real clear. If you struggle with joy, it might be the Holy Spirit's way of nudging you to get out of your comfort zone a little bit. To maybe in the new year say, you know what? I'm gonna go on one of those trips and I'm gonna go down there and I'm gonna, I'm gonna submit myself to the process of growing in my spiritual maturity and let joy become more of a byproduct. Maybe you say, I can't do that. My schedule doesn't allow me to go. That's okay. We have ministry partners all over the triangle. It's part of our, our right now special Christmas offering. We do things every single week. See, here's what can happen in a really great church like this. It can happen to all of us, okay? Big church, lots of awesome things happening. What can happen if we're not careful? I love you enough to tell you this. Here's what can happen. All of us can become consumers instead of contributors. There's no joy in consuming. There's no joy in placing yourself at the center of the equation. Joy comes from when you say, hey God, I'm available, I wanna contribute, I want you to use me, I'm finding my joy in you, take me where you want me to go, I'm available, whether it's here, there, or anywhere in between. See, when you begin to serve and when you begin to put others' needs before yours, here's what happens, you experience joy right now. This would be a really good time for all of you to clap, okay? That's right. I'm about to preach, about to preach. Y'all get, get me fired up, all right? Look, I love you. I've been here six months, so now we can be real. Sometimes we applaud God's word when it soothes our soul. We just don't when it challenges us. Hey, I'm challenging you. I'm challenging you, okay? It's time for the church to be the church, okay? So if you're struggling with joy, I'm telling you, let me diagnose what's happening. Over time, you've become a consumer. Cool, own it, change it, move forward, meet some needs, rub some shoulders with some people who by the world standards have less than you, but by God's standards have greater joy than you, and they're gonna help you. They're gonna help you grow in your faith. I hope you receive that in love. Please don't send me an email. All right, here's the fourth point, okay? <laughs> joy is connected to the internal, all right? condition of my heart, rather than the external circumstances of my life. We're gonna take six weeks at some point in the next 12 to 18 months and do an entire six-week series on this statement, okay? It takes about four to six weeks to fully unpack this statement, how joy is connected to the internal condition of my heart rather than the external circumstances of my life. But for today, let's just lay this foundation because if we don't lay this foundation, it's going to be very challenging to move through this thing called life because life is hard. Life is difficult. Life is challenging. God never says once in his word that if we love him, he'll give us a pass. We have to go through difficult things in this life. But see, for the Christ follower, we just don't respond to what's happening around us. See, to the Christ follower, we don't just respond to what's happening to us, but that's what the world does. And it's how many of us have been trained to think. It's how many of us process our emotions internally. When something happens to us, that generates our response. So if something good happens, it generates a good response. If something bad happens, it generates a bad response. So if your team won yesterday, you have a good response. My team, the Bulldogs lost yesterday, I had a bad response, acting like a sinner in the world, okay? That's how this works. We get conditioned to let all of these external things dictate what's happening in us, and then that comes 
out of us. But see, for the Christ follower, it's different. We go through the same things that come to us. We have the same things happen against us, but we don't base our response on those things. We base our response on what's happened inside of us through the salvation we've experienced. We take everything and we hold it up in light of the cross. We take every thought and we hold it captive. We respond because we live in a world where God raised his son from the dead. And if that's true, that changes everything about how I see the things that come into my life. Paul had an amazing way of doing this in the New Testament. Here's one of my favorite passages where he shows us this. Philippians 3, verses eight and nine. What is more, I consider everything a loss compared to the surpassing greatness of knowing Christ Jesus, my Lord, for whose sake I have lost all things. I consider them rubbish that I may gain Christ and be found in him. Paul says, as I go through this life, everything that happens to me, whether it's good or bad, I count it as a loss because compared to the surpassing knowledge of knowing Christ Jesus as my Lord, that's exactly what it is, it's a loss. And for some of you today, you've lost your joy. You've lost your joy. And it might be because you've allowed the circumstances in your life to dictate what's happening in your heart. But see, if God's changed your heart, if you've experienced salvation, that is the foundation of your joy. That if God never did anything for you again, you still have joy. He rescued you. He saved you. Maybe you're here today and you're not experiencing joy because you've never accepted Jesus Christ into your life. There's this God-sized hole in your heart that only Jesus can fill and you've tried to fill it with everything this world has to offer. Relationships, money, substances, experiences, and it works for a little while and then eventually you find yourself back at that place of emptiness. Might I suggest that place of emptiness and your awareness of that emptiness is the most kind and gracious thing God could do for you right now because he's allowing you to see your need for him. See, it's the kindness of God, Romans says, that leads us to repentance. Only a kind God would show you your need for him. And maybe in this moment, he's doing just that. And maybe you've been in that moment before and you've brushed it aside and you've kind of you know, held out and just gone on about your business. And Maybe today's different. Maybe you recognize your need for a savior. See, Christianity is not a birthright. It's not passed down from one generation to the next. Every person has to get to a place where they recognize this God-sized hole that only Jesus can fill. They're, that they say, wait a second, why is it there? The hole's there because you're a sinner, and so am I. We're all sinners. And that sin is what creates this gap between us and God. But see, God sent his son, Jesus. That's what we celebrate at Christmas, to bridge that gap. Jesus lived the life you could have never lived. He died on the cross to pay the payment for sin you could have never paid. And now he makes a way for you to be reconciled back to God. You can be in right relationship with God through Jesus. Jesus says, I'm the way, the truth, and the life. And no one comes to the Father but by me. Anybody can say that. He backed it up when he walked out of the tomb. Hey, and anybody who's dead and then they're alive again, I'm on their team. I'm on their team. So if that's you, why wait? Why go through another Christmas season experiencing the same heartache, the same pain, the same sense of loss, 
and lacking the fulfillment that can be found in and through a relationship with Jesus Christ. Hey, would you bow your head with me this morning here on our campus? If that's you, God's moving in your heart right now. He's pointing out your need for him. Here's all you have to do. Just right where you're seated, you just pray, Jesus, I admit I'm a sinner. But I believe you died on the cross for my sin. And I believe you walked out of a tomb and that you're alive and that you offer me eternal life. So I wanna ask you to come into my life and save me. I'm tired of trying to fill that void with everything else this world has to offer. Jesus, be my savior. And from this day forward, you're also my Lord. My life is yours. Hey, if you prayed that prayer, everybody's heads are bowed. I just wanna pray for you this week. Would you mind, just kind of slip your hand up for just a little bit so I can see it, so I can pray for you this week. So I can pray for you this week. Thank you. I'll be praying for you this week. And I do encourage you to tell somebody. Every time in the New Testament someone gives their life to Jesus, the first thing they do is tell somebody. So tell someone. It might be a family member, a friend, might be one of our pastors or staff, but let somebody know that you made that decision. Hey, maybe you're here and you're a Christ follower, but you've lost your joy. As we enter into this time of response, here's what I have found to be helpful. Tell God what he already knows. God, I've lost my joy. God, could you restore my joy? God, could you restore the joy of my salvation? And as you begin to pray that prayer and as you begin to worship God, our heavenly father, I believe he'll be faithful to lovingly begin to point out some things as a loving father would point out things to his children, just unique to you for how you can move forward with joy. And so God, as we enter into this time of response, we wanna be a people marked by joy. We don't wanna be shaped by our circumstances. God, that's challenging. So God, as we worship you this morning, would you remind us of who we are in you? Would you remind us that this world has nothing to offer us because we have you. And so we worship you for that. We praise you for that. And we thank you for that. And it's in the only name that saves, the name of Jesus, that we pray all of these things, amen.